Welcome to the Riverwood Chapel podcast. We're so excited you're here. Please check out our other content and video uploads at riverwoodchapel.org. Thank you. As Jason prayed, um, we know that as a church, this is a day of lots of joy and celebration, but for many people, it's a joy of deep, deep pain. And uh, we, we want to acknowledge that, that there are, who are people who I know who avoid going to church on Mother's Day because it's just way too painful for lots of reasons. Uh, for those who have a, a mom in their life who there is a, a bad relationship with, there are bad memories, abusive kind of language, and so it's just a, too painful of a, of a remembrance of that. There's also the, this the whole, I know there's many people in our congregation, they would love to have children, but they can't. And so, for whatever reason, the Lord will not allow that. And so, it's again, just, it's just painful to see children and knowing that you want children, but you can't. For some, it's the, the remembrance of a, a mom who has passed away. It's, it's painful. And for even some in our church, it's that painful reminder of a child that has passed away. It's just way too difficult, way too hard. And so we see your pain, we recognize that, and in this moment as we, as we begin, I want to pray for you, and for those who might even be watching online, um, I want to pray for your pain in that. Um, so let's just go to the Lord in, in this moment as we begin. Um, dear Lord, we, we realize that we live in a very broken world, where everything isn't just balloons and happiness and celebration, but that there is real, palpable pain. And maybe even those of, who are experiencing that in this room, I, I'm, I'm guessing in a room of people this large, there are some who might even have gone through a, a miscarriage this year, where this was going to be a year of joy and celebration has turned into deep pain. I pray that you would walk um, your peace and your comfort into the lives of those uh, who are experiencing pain of whatever sort on this day of Mother's Day. And so uh, we pray for your peace that passes all understanding. We pray for your presence and your comfort to come and meet people right where they're at. Um, please be gracious in that. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Well, who here loves to go to auctions? Anyone like to go to auctions? Anyone like to go to a good auction? You know, you're raising your hand kind of like, yeah, going once, going twice kind of auction. I've gone to a couple in my life. I'm not a big auction person, uh, but I did go to one when I was in college. At the, in the summertime, after the semester would be over, the University of Akron would auction off lots of things, from tables and desks to ping pong tables, but in 1995, right as the semester ended, I had my eye on this right here that they were auctioning off. <laughs> this would be an IBM 286. Who owned one of the 286s? Anyone? Yeah. All right. This was like the cutting edge uh, of technology in 1985 or whatever. So the university was getting rid of computers, and I wanted to buy it. Why? Because I was tired of going to the computer lab. Yes, we had to actually go to a computer lab to type and to print things out. I know, it's like a foreign world. And I thought, what if I could have that in my own apartment? And this also came with a dot matrix printer. It was wonderful. 
And so there was a number of them being auctioned off. I waited to the very last one. I figured everybody had gotten theirs. Now is my moment. Start the bidding at $50. Oh, of course, 60, 70, 80, back and forth, 100, 150, 160. I had my roommate there too. He kept saying, you need to go higher. I was like, all right, so 70, 80, 180, 190, 200, on and on. It kept going. I kept raising my hand. Like, I had to have this computer. I just had to. And then at the moment, you know, at the auction, when the auctioneer says, going once, going twice, my hand was in the air. And in that moment, I was thinking, was going to the computer lab really that big of an inconvenience? Did I really want to be owning my own computer for $300? Is this really something I really needed? But as I had my hand in the air, I realized I had crossed the point of no return. Next thing you hear, sold! I had just bought myself a $300 IBM 286 with a dot matrix printer. I had just won. I am now the owner of this computer. And I loved every minute. I still, no, I don't still use it today, no. <laughs> but in life, there are many moments where we cross the point of no return. Like, you become the owner of that decision. And it's over silly things like auctions and computers. But there's also serious moments of even faith, and the things that we're going to talk about this morning, where there is an auctioneer saying, going once, going twice, and you are going to buy something spiritually. Your hand is in the air, and you will buy it. You will, you will be the owner of what you are deciding. And that's exactly our conversation this morning on this Mother's Day. I'm glad you're here. For moms who are here, dads who are here, children of all ages, there is something here that you are going to embrace and be faced with out of God's word. And, um, and so we're going to be looking at that out of the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah, we've been walking through Jeremiah for all of these weeks together. We now find ourselves in the 37th chapter of Jeremiah. And uh, we've been following along in this series called The Mission of God. God is on mission. He was with Jeremiah. He still is today. What does he have to speak to us? Be open to hearing from, from the Lord, from his word um, this morning. And so we're going to start in chapter 37, verse 1, just to kind of set the context. We're going to meet a king. His name is Zedekiah. And uh, we're going to be asking ourselves some more questions along the way. All right, so the text is on the screen in front of us. If you want to follow along, if you don't have a Bible, let's, let's see what the Lord has for us. Verse 1, Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, made king in the land of Judah, reigned instead of Coniah, the son of Jehoiakim. But neither he nor his servants nor the people of the land listened to the words of the Lord that he spoke through Jeremiah the prophet. King Zedekiah sent Jehuchal, the son of Shelemiah, and Zephaniah the priest, the son of Messiah, to Jeremiah the prophet, saying, Please pray for us to the Lord our God. 
All right, in chapter 37, there, here's a timeline. I know we always talk about these are real people, real dates. This is real history that we're speaking of. That we're getting now into the reign of Zedekiah. Last week was Jehoiakim, the one who was burning scrolls. Now it's to King Zedekiah. And as I, it hit me this week, as I was looking at the bookmark, I was thinking, wow, there's like a spoiler alert. Like, it's going to end. But the people in the text didn't necessarily know that. They'd been warned, but there was always this hope that there was going to be a different outcome. But now Zedekiah is coming down in his reign near the end, and there is something very interesting going on in the text. There is a, what I'm calling a, a spiritual profile that we're going to now learn about King Zedekiah. And there's something confusing. If you go back to the text, he says this. Jeremiah reports that neither he nor his servants nor anyone in the land would listen to the words that Jeremiah spoke. Now think about that. Jeremiah is, thus saith the Lord. He is speaking for Yahweh, but Zedekiah doesn't, he doesn't care to listen. It doesn't phase him what Jeremiah is saying. He, he doesn't make much of a difference to him. All right, so that's one data point. But then you mix in verse 3, and this is really the confusing piece, that he sends his people to Jeremiah, and he says, this is what I want him to do. Will you please pray for us to the Lord our God? Does that sound strange to anybody? Like, you don't want to hear from Jeremiah, but you want him to pray for you. It doesn't make sense unless you now begin to see kind of the profile spiritually of who Zedekiah is. He, he's somebody who really is treating Yahweh like a good luck charm. I'm going to have some good luck. I don't want to hear from him. Oh, he's saying these things I don't like. But hey, you mind praying for me? Just so we can get in good with the big guy. Will you pray for me? And so whenever it was convenient, whenever it was uh, something that worked well for him, Zedekiah is now including Yahweh. All right, and we see this over and over again. Um, it, it shouldn't make sense, but when you treat God as some kind of superstitious thing in your life, then this does make sense. Oh yeah, that makes sense to do that. All right, so now we're learning more about Zedekiah. Let's continue on. Um, the Lord meets with Jeremiah, tells him something very specific about what's about to happen, that the Babylonians aren't going away anytime soon. They're going to burn everything to the ground. All right, now let's fast forward to verse 17. The story continues with King Zedekiah. King Zedekiah sent for him, meaning Jeremiah, and received him. The king questioned him secretly in his house and said, Is there any word from the Lord? Jeremiah said, There is. Then he said, You shall be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon. Jeremiah also said to King Zedekiah, what wrong have I done to you or your servants or this people that you have put me in prison? Where are your prophets who prophesied to you, saying, The king of Babylon will not come against you and against this land? So Jeremiah is saying, You're throwing me in the dungeon, 
And your own prophets who you like to listen to are saying things like, oh, you're going to be just fine, Zedekiah. But now people are starting to invade. They're coming over the wall of Jerusalem. The invaders of Babylon are on the doorstep. And so Jeremiah's like, do you really, really want to hear from me? And so it's interesting that Zedekiah, he has him come and he says, is there any word from the Lord that we need to know about Jeremiah? And Jeremiah's like, are you kidding me? I've been saying the same thing over and over and over again. The actual phrase, thus says the Lord, is, it's, I started counting over 60 times in Jeremiah. Jeremiah says, thus says the Lord. And what's really interesting is it's very consistent, the message he's saying. It's not like he's saying something like here and over here. He's saying the same thing. And this is what he's been saying. Turn to the Lord in your broken heart, in the evil of your heart. Turn to Yahweh. He wants to have a relationship with you. Do this before it's too late. That's the simple message. And so Jeremiah has been saying this over and over and over again. And so it's almost like Zedekiah is meeting with Jeremiah to say, okay, well, there's got to be something different he's saying. We want a different outcome here. So, so what is uh, the Lord saying now? And Jeremiah is like, he's, he's saying the same thing. It's like that moment you go to your parents to say, can I borrow the car? No, you can't. Well, maybe if I make my mom a very nice Mother's Day card, breakfast in bed. Can I have the car? No, no. What part of no do you not understand? That's what's going on here. Zedekiah keeps coming for a different kind of outcome. All right, so now we see a little bit more of who Zedekiah is. He likes to hear just things that are favorable, doesn't want to hear the hard things. All right, let's continue on. Now I'm in chapter 38. And uh, it starts off this way. Now, Shephatiah, the son of Matan, Gedaliah, the son of Peshur, Jukal, the son of Shelemiah, and Pashur, the son of Malchiah, heard the words that Jeremiah was saying to all the people. Thus says the Lord. He who stays in this city shall die by the sword, by famine, by pestilence, but he who goes out to the Chaldeans, this is the Babylonians, another name for them, they shall live. He shall have his life as a prize of war and live. Thus says the Lord, this city shall surely be given into the hand of the army of the king of Babylon and be taken. Then the official said to the king, Let this man be put to death, for he is weakening the hands of the soldiers who are left in the city and the hands of all the people by speaking such words to them. For this man is not seeking the welfare of his people, but their harm. King Zedekiah said, Behold, he, Jeremiah, is in your hands, for the king can do nothing against you. So they took Jeremiah and cast him into the cistern of Malchiah, the king's son, which was in the court of the guard, letting Jeremiah down by ropes. And there was no water in the cistern, but only mud. And Jeremiah sank in the mud. All right, so what's happening here is that thus saith the Lord. So the people who were around King Zedekiah was like, who is this guy? 
He's actually weakening uh, the, the warriors, and we can't have him still saying these kinds of things. And so they are now turning to King Zedekiah saying, get rid of this guy. And King Zedekiah, it's very interesting, he's having a, a moment that I see kind of a foreshadow of somebody else who has a similar moment. If you go into the New Testament, there was a moment when the crowd was rising up saying, get rid of that guy. The guy was Jesus, and the man was Pilate. Do you notice what Pilate did in that moment? He said, um, I don't want to get involved here. You do whatever you want. And he had that moment where he washed his hands ceremonially before the multitudes to say, he's, he's yours. You do what you want with him. I'm not getting involved. Zedekiah is having one of those moments. The mob is angry. And Zedekiah says, Okay, people, do, do whatever you want. Behold, he, he's in your hands, whatever the crowd wants. And Zedekiah is someone who isn't willing to stand up for what is right. He's folding under the pressure of the mob. I feel like even culturally we're having one of those mob moments You've been in the news of what's been happening in our own country. Roe v. Wade is hot on everybody's topic to speak about. And there, there are mobs, and they have things to say. And this is the moment where the church needs to say, what does this say? This isn't the moment to say, what does the mob say? One of the most popular uh, interactions on Twitter this week was when somebody said this, I don't think anybody actually believes fetuses are people. Well, really? I'll stand in that gap and say they are. This is what the word of the Lord says. Psalm 139, he knit us together. Even Jeremiah speaks of those in the womb. Uh, I'll stand in the gap to say that life begins at conception. I'll stand in that gap all day long. And this is the moment when the church needs to say, yeah, we're, we're going to stand up against the mob that wants to argue about, well, when does life really begin? 21, 22, 23 weeks, what you, what's your answer on that? This is where we need to stand into those hard moments. Zedekiah wasn't going to be that kind of person. Whatever, whatever the mob was going to do, uh, you want to do something to Jeremiah, that's all up to you. And so this is the spiritual profile of Zedekiah. He's lukewarm. He's wishy-washy. He's fence-riding. He's crowd-pleasing. This is who he is. Now let's pause there, because here's where it connects with our lives. You actually have a spiritual profile so do you, 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 you. We, I do. We all have a spiritual profile. Does our spiritual profile resonate with Zedekiah? There's a real danger in what's happening here. There is warning that if you're someone who's just along for the ride spiritually because it's the popular thing to do, and that's all the depth you have, there is going to be some danger coming in the text. 
beware. For those who are wishy-washy and crowd-pleasing, and I go to church with mom on Mother's Day because that's what mom wants, but there's nothing else there. Just be warned. There's a spiritual profile that is being built around who you are. You are, you are ready to buy something. The auctioneer is saying, going once, going twice, and you are ready to, to own the choices that you are about to make. All right, let's see what happens next to Zedekiah. How will this all work out for him? Chapter 38, now in verse 14. This is what God's word says. King Zedekiah sent for Jeremiah the prophet and received him at the third entrance of the temple of the Lord. The king said to Jeremiah, I will ask you a question. Hide nothing from me. Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, Well, if I tell you, will you not surely put me to death? And if I give you counsel, will you not listen to me? Then King Zedekiah swore secretly to Jeremiah, As the Lord lives, who made our souls, I will not put you to death or deliver you into the hand of these men who seek your life. Then Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, Thus says the Lord, the God of hosts, the God of Israel, If you will surrender to the officials of the king of Babylon, then your life will be spared. And this city shall not be burned with fire, and you and your house shall live. But if you do not surrender to the officials of the king of Babylon, then this city shall be given into the hand of the Chaldeans, and they shall burn it with fire. And you shall not escape from their hand. King Zedekiah said to Jeremiah, But I'm afraid of the Judeans who have deserted to the Chaldeans, lest I be handed over to them, and they deal cruelly with me. Jeremiah said, You shall not be given to them. Obey now, obey now the voice of the Lord in what, you, what I say to you, and it shall be well with you, and your life shall be spared. But if you refuse to surrender, this is the vision which the Lord has shown to me. And as you keep reading, it is not a good vision of what will come. And so King Zedekiah, again, he wants to meet with Jeremiah. There's something about this guy. I, I, just, I just need to speak with him again. And you can feel the desperation in his words. Things are unraveling, and he tells Jeremiah, so interesting, hide nothing from me. I want, to, I want to hear the truth. And Jeremiah's like, I've been telling you the truth all along. But there is a word that is introduced into the text of Jeremiah that has not been in the text so far. And as I was thinking more about it, I'm thinking, Jeremiah wants to be crystal clear. It's like when we get to the end, you want to be very clear. People get to the end of their lives, and they want to be crystal clear about things they want to see happen. Even I, I see this in the, in the Gospels. As you get down near the end of Jesus' life, um, and the disciples are wondering, who is the way? What Death is coming. What's going on here? And Jesus says something in John 14, 6 that is repeated over and over again. 
just for clarity's sake, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And so Jeremiah is having one of those clarity moments with Zedekiah. Zedekiah says, shoot straight with me. What do I need to hear? What do I need to do? And this is what Jeremiah says. Here's the word that pops in. He says, I need you to surrender. I need you to surrender. Surrender to the officials of the king of Babylon. You must surrender. You're going to cross uh, you're going to cross the lines with your hands up saying, I, I give up. I, I surrender. And if you do that, then your life will be spared. Notice the promise. Yahweh says, Yahweh guarantees that if you surrender, your life will be spared. And not only your life, but all those who are connected to you. Will you surrender? And now in this moment, this is a very unique moment in history because not only is he being asked to surrender to Babylon, but as we have seen already in Jeremiah, you can look at in the 27th chapter, there is one who is above Babylon. His name is Yahweh. And he even uses countries and kings and moments for his, to his glory. And he's using Babylon in that way. So really what is being asked of Zedekiah is, will you surrender to God? Will you surrender to him? In this very unique moment, that's what it looks like surrendering to God. It looks like crossing the lines over to Babylon and saying, I'm done. Will you be willing to do that? Which is really an interesting question, because not only was Jeremiah being facing that with Zedekiah, but that's still the question the text is asking us today. Are you surrendering your life to God? And I know it's a very un-American thing. We don't surrender to anybody. We're not going to give up. That's not who we are. We're going to fight to the end. But that's not the economy of what's going on in the Bible. I want you to hear this very clearly, that surrender is the way that God draws people to himself. Through weakness, he is the one who is the strength. And as you read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, this is, this is a common thing of humility and surrender even from the very lips of Jesus Christ. Notice what he says. He says, Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Oh, d- d- deny himself, take up his cross. What? Crosses? That's a thing of death and humility. And follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Surrender. You're broken. You, you don't know what to do because your greatest problem is sin and evil and wickedness. What do you do with that? You surrender to the one who has an answer. You say, I can't do it. And no amount of Mother's Day services, no amount of being nice to people, no amount of all of those things is ever going to get you to where your heart really needs 
to go. It can only happen in the moment of surrender. And so that is the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. It begins at, with humility. When we are weak, he is the one who makes us strong. We come to him with our broken lives. He offers us grace and mercy and forgiveness. This is the good news that we see in Jeremiah. This is also the good news we know is found in Jesus Christ. What is your answer to that question? Have you really surrendered your life to God? I pray that this might be the moment that he is impressing upon you to do exactly that. To say, yeah, I guess I have been kind of living this wishy-washy, lukewarm kind of moment life. I, I want something deeper. Something deeper happens when we surrender our lives to him. All right, but here's what really is interesting, because as I read commentaries, I read lots of different commentaries on the book of Jeremiah, every single one of them says that chapter 38, verse 20, is the moment. This is the, you talk about a point of no return. Here it is. It has taken us 38 chapters to hear Jeremiah over and over and over again say, turn to the Lord while you can. Turn to the Lord while you can. It's almost as if he's the auctioneer saying, going once, going twice. Chapter 38, verse 20 is the point of no return. There will be no more do-overs. There's going to be no more, well, if I just had another day, no, chapter 38, verse 20 is the moment when Zedekiah will be the owner of his decision. Jeremiah said, and this is the last moment he ever speaks to him this way, you shall not be given to them. Obey now the voice of the Lord in what I say to you, and it shall be well with you, and your life shall be spared. Surrender right now, or else... There's going to be horrible, horrible consequences. You see, Zedekiah has been living a life that's not of surrender. Wishy-washy uh, is about himself. Riding the fence is about himself. Pleasing crowds is about himself. Jeremiah is saying, you have one last moment to obey, to surrender. What are you going to do? In our human condition, we always think we have more time. I've been talking to people like all week about this. There's always tomorrow. There's always next year. We have more time. But here's what I want you to hear, that I feel the weight of this urgency, and I, I feel the weight that this might be our last Sunday together. This, this might be the end for somebody in this room, might be for me, I don't know. I don't think we'll ever have this exact collection of crowd together. Maybe this is the moment that he is speaking to you saying, there's going to be a moment of no return. Maybe this is it. 2022 Mother's Day, this might be the moment of no return. My question is, what are you about to own? What are you buying when it comes to your relationship to the Lord? What is your answer? Well, let me ask 
this last question. Why is this really that important? Why is surrendering important? There's a great response of why it is so important. It goes all the way back into chapter 38. Um, On this Mother's Day, why is it important to surrender to the Lord? This is the verse that I point to. This is why it's so important. Jeremiah is telling Zedekiah, there's this promise that it's all going to go well for you if you surrender to the Lord, not only for you, but notice what he says, for your house as well. Surrendering to the Lord has ripple effects, not just for your benefit, but for those who you're connected to. Your house. And those who are in your house. That's why this is so important. Moms, the greatest thing you can give your children is your surrender to the Lord. It's not a college tuition. It's not a a nest egg for a down payment. The greatest thing that you can give them is your surrender. Because in your surrender, you are now hearing from the Lord to give them the wisdom they need, to point them into a relationship with the Lord, to be praying for them. That's the greatest, that's the greatest decision you can make is your surrender now has ripple effects. And that's just for moms, but that's for dads. That's for all of us to realize. Because for Zedekiah, he made his decision, and it had devastating effects for not only him, but for the rest of his home and for generations to come. That's why this is so important. On this Mother's Day 2022, have you surrendered to the Lord? That's the question. (laughs) Because there's the auctioneer who's saying, going once, going twice. You're about to, and I pray that it's not today, but today might be the day where you buy exactly what comes, is coming to you. You're, you're going to own something at some point. What are you going to own? Surrender or the things of Zedekiah? Allow the Lord to speak to you and your heart to challenge you. I know he's challenging me in these things. So let's go to the Lord. And, and pray to him. Dear God, we give you thanks um, for your word that speaks truth and difficult things and probably things we don't even want to hear or face. We, but these are the truths that you lead us to. I pray, Lord, that you would allow us to hear the things that you want to speak into our lives. And I've, maybe there are some here today who, who are just kind of along for the ride I pray that your word would speak truth and impress uh, something of, of surrender into their lives. I know that yeah, this is what you want for your church, to surrender itself to the cross of your son, Jesus Christ, and, and to live our lives out of that kind of surrender to our homes and our families and in our own community. And so... May you multiply that kind of humility, that kind of gospel right here in our own church. We desperately need your help in this journey. We pray all these things 
In your son's name, amen.